Oh, this week on Two Down My Dudes, Marks and I talk what went down during Blood and Guts. What's next for MJF after Blood and Guts? We talk that controversial ending of Blood and Guts. Plus, Cody Rose versus QT Marshall. And that butt wipe of an article about Cody over at Deadspin, yikes. Not to mention the potential of Daniel Bryan, the new free agent, potentially coming to AEW. We also talked Darby Allen taking a tumble down the concourse and into the pit of Miro's menace and bid for the TNT title. Is it see you later for Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian next week? We also talked Brian Pillman Jr., Mox versus Yuji Nagata. And plus, I discussed going to Jacksonville for double or nothing at the end of the month. In addition to that, we talk Thunder Rosa and her promotion, Mission Pro Wrestling, and what it could mean for AEW down the road. Woo! This is quite the show. And two, two who? Two Dynamite Dudes with Attitude. WrestleZone.com. Today's date is May 7th, 2021. And it is two. Two. Who? Marcus, how many? How many? Two, Dominic. Two. With attitude. (laughs) Yes. It is Dominic. And I am here with my degenerate brother, Marcus D'Angelo. Marcus, thanks for joining me on our show today to discuss AW Dynamite. Hey, absolutely. And what a what an episode to discuss today, Dominic. My goodness. Uh ups and downs and let me tell you next week it's sounding like it's going to be a wild one my goodness yeah there is plenty to look forward to to next week we'll get to that in a second well not in a second but maybe in a little bit but come on we're burying the lead right here it's a blood and guts was there enough blood and was there plenty of guts for you in this main event that we had yeah my uh, wife my, my wife used the word gratuitous uh while gratuitous. we were watching that yes uh, gratuitous violence um you know i dominic i gotta say uh Better than any War Games match I think I've ever seen. Um, uh, yeah. Any? Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of one that I liked better or that was more organized or that uh, told a better story. And I can't think of one. I will say at the end, you know, around the time that they were like pulling up the the, the canvas and using forks, I was like, okay, I'm starting to check out on this. <laughs> um, and I was not crazy about like the very fake looking diamond plate that Jericho got thrown through. Oh well, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we but other other than that, Dominic, I thought I thought it was a really good match. Um, Stephen Chambers already chimed in. Oh, by the way, guys, we're live, so if you want to uh, join in on the conversation, you can do so via Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Yes, so, by all means, by sure all means, ask questions. And Stephen, yeah. he's got a good one. What's up? Uh, where do you guys rank this blood and guts match with NXT and MLW War Games? Um, you know, I've never seen NXT or MLW. I just referenced the old WCW War Games, uh, which, by the way, if you've never seen, definitely worth a watch. Uh, the the NWO ones, the Horseman ones, they're all uh, they're all really entertaining. But I gotta say, I, th- I think that this match beat any of those that I ever saw. Like I said, from a storytelling standpoint. 
um, from like an in-ring action standpoint. I mean, FTR look like stars, which they always do. Um, and, you know, it, like in theory, the finish was the correct finish, was it not? You know, we've got Pinnacle, Pinnacle going over. Hey, you know what? I, I don't mean to brag, but I kind of mean to brag. I uh, called that match the finish to a T, to a T. What, Jericho getting thrown off? Uh, not that part, but who, how it was going to end was who was going to surrender was Sammy and he was going to do it to save Jericho. I fucking called it 10 hours beforehand, everybody. <laughs> I mean, you know, let's not pat ourselves on the back too much, Dominic. It's not like you said, it's, he's going to be threatening to throw Jericho <laughs> off. I mean, you just, you just shut your mouth. I'm not that damn throw. Hey, listen to, okay. Um, I liked the match. I did. I really did like the match. And, uh, I liked that it was like a good chunk of time. Like it was like what forty five minutes long, a little longer. Am I wrong on that? Uh, no, forty five minutes uh, sounds correct. Yeah, yeah, I believe it was. And uh, yeah, the length didn't bother me. You know, no, when it's not whatsoever. It, I thought it added to uh, how big of a match it was. Yeah, you know, it's the. I, I think it was Vince McMahon always said like, I he hates Iron Man matches. Nobody wants to watch a match for that long. It's like, dude, like we do. If it's a good match, like if it's, do it right. if yeah. it's a shitty match, then I don't want to see a 60 minute match. But if the match is good, Dominic, you and I sat through an Ironman match live once uh, here in Pittsburgh. You know, remember it was John Cena and Randy Orton. Oh, I believe it was it? bragging rights. Yeah. Was it really? Yep. Um, and you and I saw that match and I, it was a good match. So I didn't mind it. Yeah. Uh, see, I, wow. Wow. That's quite the memory. Like, that's over 10 years ago. We went to that. It was like 2009. I want to say it was Bragging Rights 2009. Same event where Rey Mysterio got beat up by Batista. Yeah, I, that's the one I really took away from that that event was uh, Batista and Rey. Um, going off the rails. Going off the rails a little bit. But, okay, so I did really like that match. Um, and I thought the the L, the what the story they were trying to convey with MJF was great. Like, the, well, that's what you want. Like, you want – and, like, I understand the fact of them – having that finish at the end like okay obviously he he threatens to throw jericho off same as like no and it's a very game of thrones-esque move of mjf a very um what's the petulant kid's name in uh game of thrones oh, yeah. joffrey yeah, it's yeah, very joffrey. Joffrey in, in regard to him saying oh no no okay nope <laughs> away he goes it's very much like that um so the it, the AEW did get a lot of social media criticism. Now, social media, take that for what you will. But as to how uh, the crash pad and all that stuff. Listen, we've watched WWE how many times. When they do falls like this, there's a crash pad. It's kind of goes hand in hand with it. But the 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 item I was, you know, was like, come on, you, you could kind of do this. Is like either A, just do different camera angles. Like don't, don't show it close up, you know, have Jericho crash through and leave it at that or B don't even do it. Figure out a different way to get MJ over as that vicious, ruthless guy. Uh, Todd Martin from uh, PW torch made a pretty good suggestion in regards to like MJF, like having like his leg tied up in some form or fashion that looked really, really that could look really, really threatening. And then him doing the same thing, but instead of throwing him off of something, you just have him like break Jericho, quote unquote, break Jericho's leg or something to that effect where it gets, you get the same effect, but it's not, you know, you're not showing, uh, you know, how the meat's made basically with that 
stage that was set up and everything like that. Well, you know, here's the other option, Dominic, and this is what I would have preferred to see. Oh, is, you have a third option. Yes, uh, and that's tables. Now, I'm, I'm not saying put one table down there for Jericho to go through, uh, but if you do a table stacked on top of a table, or even like they used to do in the old Dudley Boys matches where they'd have like two tables side by side and then two tables on top of those tables side by side, like that is going to, he hits the first table and it kills his momentum, hits the second table, kills his momentum even more, and he's kind of gently goes to the ground. I'm, maybe doing that with Jericho is not the way to go. That's what I was going to say. But, but like, why not do it with one of the other guys? How about Sammy Guevara? Throw him off. Uh, you know, he's still, I just he's don't still think, young enough. I think in any of the, I understand taking the precautions of doing it. I do, I I do, I do what too. I don't, what I don't uh, vibe with as much is the fact that uh, you showed it, it, you showed it too close. If they're, if you're going to do it, like kind of like change it, you know, fans are going to bitch either way. Cause I also saw this too. It was like fans would have bitched if you didn't show a close up of Jericho laying down on the ground, like laying like, hey, why can't we see Jericho? That's a horrible angle you shot that from. You get bitched at either way. So that's why you can't really quantify either what social media says. But I do get like, okay, you're seeing you're seeing how the meat's made when, when you see the stage that close and there's like, you know, uh you know, evidence that hey, this is not again it was, it was fake diamond plate. You could yeah. see that it was like fake stage diamond plate. Yeah. Um like little individual squares of it, which is like I agree Dom, like it, there are many different ways to go about it. They did it the wrong way. You don't show close-ups um or you just don't do it like you said because the match was good all by itself. There's plenty of blood, plenty of gore, plenty for everybody to see. Um, and you didn't necessarily need somebody to get thrown off, but that's the thing when it comes to cage matches. And I think it's the challenge when it comes to cage matches of any kind nowadays. And that's it. You either need one of those moments, like with Cody Rhodes, where he does the moonsault off the top, uh, that is now expected or somebody getting thrown off the cage is now an expectation every time there's one of those. And so I, I think like a lot of fans for a lot of fans, there's like that letdown if they don't get to see that. Whereas for me, I'm like, Hey, if it's a good match, if you tell a good story, they don't need to get on top of the cage. Right. And you know what? Um, the fact that it's, uh, war games, blood and guts, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it, I was shocked when they went picture in picture and they got back from break and they were like, Hey, MJF and Jericho are on top of the cage. Like I was like, you know, I was like, dang it. Why it stays in there. But then it kind of made sense. The The problem with this is that they didn't show this via the big screen. It was all picture in picture. But what happened was Tully Blanchard got a key and unlocked the cage for MJF to escape. So I can buy into that more. But we didn't see that close up. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. that, did you even know that happened? No, I had no idea. So yeah, that, that's that's kind of an issue there too. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, there's different ways you could handle a finish like that. Um, you know, uh, I don't think it ruined the match. I think people will like make a too big of a deal about it uh, overall. Like. I agree. You know, it's I like, agree. like it, it was still a good match. I uh -huh. think that the, it could have been better at the end. Um, we really started to lose momentum. Like I said, when they started to do that business with like the fork and pulling back the, uh, the canvas and all that stuff, but still, I mean, a, a good match. Um, James Espanto Fernando Tagoy. Oh, uh, I, don't, I don't know how I did there. 
Steve Gibbard NXT female war games match was better overall, but Blood and Guts match versus the male war games than uh, Blood and Guts was better. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a frame of reference, but it was a good match. I thought it was fine. Um, you know, certainly the ending could have been better, but still, still pretty good, Dominic. Um, if you were to give it a uh, a ten star rating out of ten stars, Dom, where you land in with that particular match, not the event on the Blood and Guts, yes, just specifically. Who, hmm. as far as now, are we going from a like a war game structure or overall like a match? No, dude, just like standalone match. Okay, yeah, I'll give it like an eight point two. I think right? is that fair? That's that's a that's a damn good rating out of ten, Dom. You know, yeah. I was I was gonna say something like a solid seven or seven point one somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, 8.2, it's a good rate. That's a, that's a really good match. So yeah, you know, I, I certainly thought it was fine. Uh, Dominic, uh, you're running the ship here, but there's a comment that I do want to talk about. Um, and that's going to be, uh, Darby and Miro next. Yeah, week. we'll get to that here in a second. I'll make note to bring that up to, uh, cause that's, that's definitely something we're going to talk about for sure. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, James gives it, gives it an eight. So, An eight from yeah. James. What about uh, anybody else in here? If you've got, what's yeah, your, give what's us your number uh, for the rating two out of 10 out uh, of 10. Yes. You know, you can get uh, to the decimals too, if you want. Um, but no, overall, like I thought it was a good close to the show. Uh, MJF, the, some of that, those shots of MJF bloody and standing atop of the cage by himself were, were great. Like those are like stuff that's AEW's going to keep in their catalog for, all, all time you know to pull out stuff absolutely so. it's mm-hmm. uh we said that about uh the thunder rosa Britt baker match like some of those iconic images from that match are, it's going to be like on the aw like then now forever type thing you know <laughs> hopefully they don't do that too yeah much. hopefully yeah. not but it, it'll be coming up in in that capacity for for years to come and i, I think that that's an indelible image uh that we're going to get to see as well yeah yeah, uh, let's follow up. Uh, what do you think's next for MJF here after? So uh, Jericho, I think, is going to be gone for a good amount of time. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll do you see a one on one between him and MJF at double or nothing? Or yes, what, is that what you're leaning towards? Yes, I think that that's how it's going to go. I think they're going to wind up uh, squaring off eventually. That's that's certainly what we're building toward. Toward even if it's not uh, specifically a double or nothing, it's coming. Like we will get to see that. And the only move is for MJF to go over. Uh, I like Jericho. I still, as as much as I uh, give him a hard time, I do still think that he's got a lot left in the tank. Um, he's still got a lot to contribute to pro wrestling. And one of the biggest things that he can contribute to pro wrestling in the stage of his career that he's at now is putting over younger talent. Uh, and you start with one of the best heels in the game, which is MJF. Yeah. And you know what? Jericho's been doing that for, wow. Like, Marcus, we went to WrestleMania 29. Who did he put over there? Fandango. He put over Fandango? Uh-huh. How do I not remember that? Yeah. Well, I mean, WrestleMania 29 was not, let's say, very good. <laughs> it had its moments. Take it's had its moments. Take it uh, versus CM Junk. Yeah, that was a good one. Oh, man. Uh, uh, Ignacio Del Rio. I hope I said that right. <laughs> giving it a 10. 10. And then 10, Steven Chambers strong with James uh, with an 8. Yeah. So. All right, man. And yeah. some, some very positive uh, feedback on this match. So, I mean, hey, hats off to AEW. They got over a million viewers, did they not? Uh, yeah, and not only that, but they led in cable. I think I've stopped my cat from doing something hideous right now. I'll be right back. Go for it. From the 18 to 49 demographic, they 
I believe uh, they uh, were number one over MTV's The Challenge, which had its, I think, season finale. And then, um, yeah, so uh, first time ever for AW to do that. And, like, fans even bitched about that. <laughs> they said, um, what was it? Oh, yeah, this is the first time they did it. That was their bitching about it, was this is the first time. There's got to be a first time for it happening. I mean, what do you want here? I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. Do you hear what I was saying, Marcus? I, I did. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. What did you think about that? Like, did you happen to notice that on social media or Twitter more so, where fans are bitching about <laughs> them getting number one in, in in cable, even because it simply was their first time doing it? It's, I mean, it's it's white noise at this point, isn't it? Like, just wrestling fans can never be content. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, as you all know, and like, we could have, we could sign Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady in his prime. Doesn't matter. The Cowboys fans are gonna hate whoever the Cowboys quarterback is. Um, so it's been it's been frustrating uh, for me on both fronts as a wrestling fan and as a football fan. Uh, James Domi just highlighted. He says, uh, when look over Jericho's WWE career, he was selfless when it came to getting people over. And that's that's a big part of his job. It's you know, I think it's an in- inherently selfish business where it's like, you know, these guys are very focused on their their look their tan their spot in the as company. they should be though to an extent as they should be you you've mm-hmm. got to be selfish especially yeah. when you're younger um but what the other the other half of the business is that when you start to get to, toward the end of your run you need to be selfless and you need to put over younger talent and give back to the business they provide you with a living and uh so that's why i think it's really important for jericho to uh to continually put mjf over uh, and- convincingly that's the thing, yeah, and we like well, we already alluded to it. Like Jericho's done that, like with plenty of stars in WWE, and now in AEW, like Orange Cassidy. You know, you look at what he's done there. You look at like at different stars. It's uh, you know, um, there's definitely a give and take when it comes to that. But like, if you're an established talent that's pretty Teflon, and Jericho I, is is there, um, I think uh, he and he he's he instills knowledge into people, and he's willing to give like give back to that effect so um well, he's i got think that few, adds to his longevity too you know he's got a few uh receipts he's he's got to give back though now so exactly exactly he's, he's got one over he's got one over on cody he's got one over on kenny omega now uh one of their their three so it's you know beat cody? i'm trying to even think Did, yeah yeah he beat cody which is why cody can no longer challenge for the uh, oh that's right yeah. i was i kept thinking for some reason Kenny and Cody or something. Yep. So the, Jericho, I, I want to see him in the business for another couple of years, uh, at the very least, to continue to just put over new talent. Yeah, Marcus, I forgot to include this. And this is one of the big stories going right now. I forgot to include this in the lineup. But, hey, did you – I mean, Daniel Bryant, the report is uh, – This is – this is this should get people chatting a good the, bit. Yeah, the report is – is after last week's SmackDown, where Marcus, we talked about it last week, was like, hey, uh, Daniel Bryan's getting... And we talked about the potential of Bryan coming to AEW, but uh, it's got, like, the it's kind of confirmed, you know, that uh, Daniel Bryan is gone. Or not gone, but his contract is expired. He's done, he's officially, right now, a free agent in professional wrestling. Um, so... <laughs> The his options are open, and you know, we what we know about Daniel Bryan, or let's say Brian Danielson, is he's a wrestler's wrestler and he loves the aspect of wrestling. Now, he said before with WWE, he's like, This is not wrestling exactly. So, what does Brian like to do? He likes to wrestle, and 
he that's where he gets his passion at. So, I mean, is he going to re-sign with WWE? They have a lot, obviously, to offer specifically in money. That's their big primary thing. And then, uh, but also, like, they have a positive relationship with his wife, Bree, too. Now, don't know how much that comes into play exactly because Brian's, you know, you know, his own star in that right. But, you know, I, I don't know. And plus, Daniel Bryan was also produ- helping, like, kind of produce and had a little bit of creative work behind the scenes, too, as fact, a little bit of incentive there. Uh, obviously, Marcus, we would love to see him go to AEW, would we not? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, you know, certainly it's a possibility. You know, if, if we as wrestling fans have learned anything, it's that anything can happen in pro wrestling. Um, that being said, I if he's saying that WWE is not really pro wrestling, um, it, what I, I'm, I would be curious as to what his opinion is on AEW because for every great pro wrestling match that we get, um, i.e. Thunder Rosa, basically anything Cody does, basically anything FTR does, we also kind of get like some of that modern stuff that people aren't, you know, these the old school wrestling purists aren't crazy about. I, so Okay. So I'm curious as to what his opinion is there. To be honest, I can picture him more easily. And uh, James kind of touched on this. He says, I want to see Daniel Bryan versus Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. I could see him more spending time in Japan than I, I do him going to AEW. But, hey, why not both? I do all, That's what I was going to say. I think the chances are good uh, to answer uh, Steve's question is I think the chances are good that he goes to AEW. I'm not saying they're, like, rock solid, like, absolutely happening because i could very much i mean maybe we've just been used to the pattern of like wrestlers contracts expiring in wwe like big name wrestlers or wrestlers that were like oh man we'd love to see them go somewhere else and then they end up ultimately resigning perfect example of that is cesaro you know where that happened so uh maybe we were trained to kind of think like that like okay uh he's probably gonna resign with wwe you know and they're like they could toss him all the money but what it does boil down to marcus you said it like uh how what does he think of AEW as you know from a wrestling perspective and i think he would think pretty positive in that regard because look at what cody's doing and look at what ftr is doing they have that option to wrestle those types of matches and do that and tell those types of stories whereas in wwe there's that specific constructed style that they want you to go about and do that thing and so and that's what brian was indicating about like hey this is not like wrestling in regards to how we looked at it from a broader full industry perspective over the course of history this is like WWE's style and so we're going to get some like daniel bryan wherever he goes if he goes somewhere else we'll have that wrestling option so i think that's more so an indication to maybe what he was referring to in re- in specifics to like, you know, uh, where, you know, you have a young buck style match that they do in that high flying aspect that goes crazy, which, you know, I don't think Daniel Bryan would necessarily mind to be a factor in here and there, but like, if he's got the option to wrestle a match that he wants to wrestle, he's going to be able to do that in AEW. Um, Omer Uriel has made a point that I wanted to touch on as well when it comes to this topic. Didn't Daniel Bryan say that his body didn't feel that good in the last couple of matches he had? Uh, not sure if he could hold up in the uh, brutal Japan, uh, Japanese or AEW style. Um, so th- that I think that that's a factor that we need to all consider too. Is like Daniel Bryan could just straight up retire. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I think he's excited about the prospect of getting to spend time at home with his children um, and his wife. 
I'm sure that that's a very exciting prospect after working for WWE and being on the road for as long as he has. Um, so it, it's a possibility. Uh, I I would just wager a guess that if he is to show up in AEW, it won't be for at least a year. Um, really? Would be my guess. Really? Yeah, I mean, Dom, you know, if I just put myself in his shoes, um, would I want to instant like, okay, I just finished up with the biggest wrestling company on the face of the planet, in the history of the planet. And uh, I just finished up my contract there. Um, it, okay, let's get back on the road. Nope. Um, it would be okay. Let's let's go spend some time being a dad, and then like wrestling is always going to be there. I could like you know a guy like Daniel Bryan. It could be five years from now, and he could reach out to AEW, and they'd be like, "Yep, come on." Yeah, in. right. I mean, that's that's the thing too. Is like he could take. Yeah, you're very right in that regard. Like, because he could take some time off, let his body recoup, and you know, kind of enjoy life. Uh, and you know, obviously, his children. Mark is your new new dad. So like your life priorities change like that. And Daniel Bryan, like obviously had his kids and have gotten to enjoy them, but like for the extent of like his schedule being completely open, he hasn't gotten to do that yet. Well, uh, I also just wanted to say real quick, James has made a couple of good points now. Um, They're interesting ideas at the very least. Uh, The first being, uh, let's call his run the return of the dragon. Oh, yeah. And then he's saying, uh, what what about him doing his own version of the belt collector? Uh, Almost like an uh, Ultimo Dragon is what I'm picturing. And Kenny Omega. Yeah, and Kenny Omega. And I mean, you know, just from a fan standpoint, like me wanting to be as entertained as humanly possible, how great would it be if Daniel Bryan kind of started doing the same thing that Kenny Omega is doing in other promotions? Like maybe he goes and grabs the NWA championship, gets the the New Japan or whoever else, MLW, ROH, uh, and then all of a sudden he's like, hey, Kenny, like I'm ready for your belts now too, you know? Uh, it's man, what what a fun feud that would be. That'd be so fun. Yeah, they end up meeting in the middle, or something happens, and uh, that would be super duper cool. Now, yeah, the point of, basically oh, the, the two best on the face of the planet, as far as like a uh, being able to capture belts is concerned, just kind of slowly working their way toward each other. I mean, man, that's that's about as good as it gets, and when it comes to pro wrestling. Yeah, and um, but like so, we you did mention Brian taking some potential time off. I mean, the schedule will be lighter wherever else he goes in comparison to WWE. Yes. You know, so, I mean, the, the pressure's not on, the commitments aren't as on, and you know what? Like, you look at what Moxley's doing right now, he's got the his the world is his oyster, basically. Like, if he wants to wrestle blood sport, he can wrestle blood sport. If he wants to go to New Japan, COVID permitting, he can do New Japan, you know? Yep. And, uh, and he's the heck AEW's doing that next week. So <laughs> I, I will say that, you know, as as a dad, if I put myself into Daniel Bryan's shoes, uh, it certainly would be easier to say, like, hey, how about every other week I come out to uh, Jacksonville and work for you guys? Right. Um, I'd, I'd be perfectly willing to do that. And heck, they, that's how the that's how their schedule operates for the most part. Right. They do tapings and then they have a week off. And then they right. come back and do taping. So, right. So, obviously, you know, I'm sure storyline wise, maybe he would have to be there a couple weeks in a row. But, you know, it's hey, man, if the money's good enough and I, I can fly in for a day and then fly straight back home to be with my family, uh, then sure. And Why so, not? yeah, have your cake, eat it too, basically. Yep. Um, Marcus, so Kenny does have a potential big match coming up, uh, double or nothing. And it's leaning towards from a story perspective who we talked about last week had a big conversation about last week 
And I was pretty happy to realize like, oh, I'm hosting the show this week because we talked about this to huge detail. And uh, Orange Cassidy is lined up to seemingly face Kenny Omega at Double or Nothing. Their biggest, their, uh, not, I, okay, probably not that I kind of was thinking of it. This is Double or Nothing's not their WrestleMania, right? Is it more all out or where, where are we at on that? Maybe I have no idea. I have if no you guys idea. want to chime into that, what's their, what is, AEW's WrestleMania. Is it double or nothing where they really kicked everything off from an AEW perspective, or is it all out? It, the, the kind of tongue in cheek version of all in. So that's, I'm kind of lost at that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, if I was to just wager a guess, I'd probably say all in or all out or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Dom, you and I were at the first ever double or nothing. You're going again this year. Um, so yep. it's pretty, pretty exciting stuff. It's certainly a, a major event. They position it like a major event. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe, uh, there's, maybe they don't need a one marquee event. Maybe it's just, they're saying, Hey, all of them are good. Could be it too. But okay. So, Hey, though, uh, I told, we talked about it last week. They got to position orange casting in the right way. We got to see something. You say they got, you got to see something different. I agree to an extent where they got to like, like, not necessarily refine the character or, or the persona, but add more layers. And I think that's kind of what you were referring to more so in regards to that too. Uh, now, Orange didn't say a word, but the fact that he's in the world title picture and confronts Kenny in this, and the way Kenny tried to downgrade him, but also putting him over at the same time, kind of gets a new layer of Orange Cassidy. Do you agree or don't you? Yeah, let me say first of all that uh, Kenny Omega is just masterful. I think he's Dude, really, it was great. Yeah, it was yeah, great. Uh, he's he's awesome. Um, and when you see him next to Orange Cassidy, and I'm I'm not trying to be a body guy or make fun of like people's sizes or whatever, but like he's just a hulking guy by comparison to the average human. Which I would say that Orange Cassidy's body type is a little bit closer to the average human. Um, so like when seeing Kenny Omega next to him, it's like, damn, Kenny Omega is a big dude. Like he's, he look he's thick. Like he looks like nothing to, to screw with. Um, but that being said, you asked me about, uh, about orange Cassidy. If I, if I think he took any kind of a leap, um, not really. Um, I, I thought he kind of like, uh, it's, I'm trying to think of a gentlemanly way to say this and I can't, I, I think he kind of tucked his dick when he, uh, when he didn't try to get his sunglasses back at the end. <laughs> Market, I disagree because that's Orange Cassidy. Like you could give take his Ray Bans, and he's just weird. So he's just not going to take it. Okay, he's not taking him back. But that's like, that's that's that is the personality type that I'm trying to see a little bit more out of Orange Cassidy. Well, like let's let's get that. Okay, these guys are messing with your gimmick with your little shtick. Why don't you fight for it? You know, Michael, you're, you're, you're letting Michael knock. You're letting Michael Nakazawa walk away with your sunglasses right now? I think they're going to lead to that, Marcus. This is the first taste we're getting of this in general, of him being in the world title picture. So, like, you started off where, like, you, you as fans, like, you want to see Orange Cassidy, yeah, get that, you know, fire back and stuff like that. And But this is who Orange Cassidy is, is right what we see him now. So, I think they're teasing that building up to that where he's going to be like, we're going to see that other layer that you, what you're wanting of him going, boom. All right. Fuck you, Manakazawa and fuck you, Kenny. And then you're also going to have, um, just that the gravitas of him being in that world, in the world main event picture. Um, I think it's an appropriate direction for AEW to take honestly, because you've built orange Cassidy up to that level. He's feuded with Jericho. 
that big feud with Jericho. And then it's kind of like he went in a different direction and more like down leveled down the card a little bit with the best friends, like feuding with Miro and this kind of, you know, the arcade anarchy stuff. But now, boom, he's back to where, you know, that route he was on, I think. So I think they're setting everything up very, very well. I'm really excited about this. Um, Kenny, yeah, Marcus, I thought he was so funny. Like, who says sock hops anymore in today's world age? <laughs> but he said it. He, he dropped it in the promo, and I thought it was great. Um, Grizzy Bone, uh, he's saying Cassie is not main event material yet. If he's the one wrestling Omega at double or nothing, I would say that they should open the show and not main event. He's not credible yet. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm not going to come out and say that, uh, that I, I think that the orange Cassie is not worthy of the main event. Uh, cause I, I think that we're getting there. Uh, certainly he's like, he's got, he's still got enough popularity that it's, it's justifiable, but I, I, I don't think that I think Kenny Omega could be better positioned by being featured in a main event against somebody else. So, I th- but again, I'm saying this is so, you know, if it's Orange Cassidy versus Kenny, I don't think Orange Cassidy's going to win the title. I, I hope not, Dom. I don't because he's not ready for that push. I, uh, I agree with you. Like, I think w- what we want to do with Orange or what I specifically want, you know, to see happen with Orange is the thrill of the chase. Like what Dusty Rhodes would do where it'd be like, all right, he's, he was there, but he didn't quite get it yet. But. He's still on that journey to eventually get it. I would say. I think that should happen de- further down the line. But if you having, but putting him up against Kenny like this on a big show, uh, on your SummerSlam, I think it's James that compared it to, uh, is uh, I, I think a big step in the right direction. And if he wins or loses, if he loses, I think it helps him in the long run of things. You know, as getting him over as a, a, a credible talent to that point. Um, Marcus, I was really happy with this, though, because <laughs> I was like, um, damn, yes, uh, that's how they should do Orange. And uh, we're, we're going to get we're going to get what you're wanting, like where, you know, we see a little bit more of Orange, I think, from a from a different angle. You know, here's like this is the last I'll say about it, because I think, you know, where I stand uh, when it comes to Orange and uh, certainly the way that he was positioned in this particular segment. But like. When Kenny Omega takes his glasses, it's like, okay, I can see Orange like kind of just like continuing to stand there and stare at him. When he handed them over to Nakazawa, I was like, oh, here's what we're doing. Uh, like, but maybe Kenny's going to walk away, but then like he's going to turn Nakazawa around and knock his ass out and get back his glasses. I was like, okay, so that's fine. But then they both walk away. And it's like, you're not even going to try, like, you're not going to square up with Nakazawa. Like they position him as like this nerd and you're letting this nerd like walk off with your, with your Ray-Bans. It's like, I don't know, man. I, I just, I think it just plays the, who orange is like now. Hey, dude, I, I, maybe, maybe I'm a little too old school, but like Bret Hart, baby face, Bret Hart, would he let somebody walk off with his Martin, shape? It's orange Cassie and it's Bret Hart. Okay. Uh, Bret Hart well, obviously would not do that, but like orange Cassie again to like, maybe not to main, like to fans that are ardent, like me and you, uh, but to casual fans, uh, Orange Cassidy is an enigma, and in, like it's well, Bret Bret Hart made it to the top of the business. Um, I I don't see Orange Cassidy making it to the top to the top of the business as a baby face who allows people to walk off. With yeah, his well, his you can't keep doing it, but I don't think they're gonna keep doing it. So I think it's all right. I think it's okay. All right. Um, geez, where was I going next? Oh, so uh. 
another big match, uh, you know, I think really tore the house down was Cody versus QT Marshall. Yeah. Um, yeah. Marcus, give me your perspective on that. Yeah. But I've been hard on QT Marshall too, where I just feel like he's got nothing happening. You know, it's like, he's the, uh, uh, Conrad Thompson used to call, uh, Jeff Jarrett, the human fast forward button. And that's how I feel about QT Marshall, uh, for the most part, but I don't know. He might've changed my perspective a little bit, man. Uh, he, uh, QT Marshall came out this week and he was like, he was entertaining. I thought he was technically sound. Um, I, I just kept dreading the end of that match because I was like, uh, QT's going to go over. I was like, oh, I, I, I convinced myself. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, QT, he's going to go over. There's going to be cheating or something. Uh, but I, I just had it set in my mind. Okay, I guess QT is going to beat Cody, which is egregious. But no, Cody got him, which is the way it should be. And then Cody, like a veteran should, put over uh, a young guy who's breaking in in Anthony Agogo. Yeah, I like that finish too. It was pretty cool to uh, get like the flag draped over him and stuff like that. It just adds to something. Yeah, uh, and you know, QT showed like a lot of personality in the ring. He also showed that he is skilled, like, you know, inarguably he's skilled in the ring. Um, I think that Cody is a step or two ahead of him, but Cody's probably a step or two ahead of everybody when it comes to being a technical worker, uh, almost everybody. And uh, so, but yeah, I, I thought they showed out. It was, it was a strong match. Yeah, no, and um, yeah, I think it just uh, it was a nice change. It was a nice way to uh, start the pace off of like something like that. We were gonna we were gonna get something different with blood and guts, obviously, and we got like more of just a a good technical, like solid wrestling match happening with that those two. So yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, I thought that Stephen uh, made a good point here a little bit ago too. He says Omega versus Darby, uh, the match may happen this year. Um, I feel like that's ultimately what we're headed toward here. Um, yeah, it it feels like the inevitability where we've got uh, we've got Darby, who's in all likelihood about to lose his his TNT championship to uh, Miro yeah. next week, and uh, you've got Kenny Omega coming up against a guy who he needs to go over against. So it's like, okay, we're we're kind of I can kind of see where this path is leading. Um, Dom, I, I don't know if you're there yet, but I'm anxious to talk about Miro and, uh, yeah, man, I'm actually trying to scroll back to where, uh, Steven, I think mentioned that. Oh, here we go. So yeah, uh, let's talk about it. So if Darby beats Miro next week, won't be surprised Omega versus Darby this summer. Oh, okay. So that's what he was talking about. Oh, okay. So he's going that way. I'm saying that Miro's going to beat him. Um, Miro's already got a reason. Uh, I mean, he doesn't need a reason to, to beat him. He's, he's a much larger guy and he should be kind of in the uh, dominant position in this situation. But I mean, uh, Darby was thrown down some stairs, so he's going to be coming out injured, uh, for this match next week. And I think Miro's just going to squash him. I think it, uh, like maybe, maybe Darby will f- try to fight out a little bit, but I think Miro's just going to abuse him for the whole match and take his title. Yeah. I would kind of like it if this match wasn't very long. Honestly, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. And, yeah. you know, Miro, Miro kind of said it perfectly. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you are or aren't injured. I will rip you apart. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I loved his line at the end. Miro gave the best promo he's given so far. I think I said when he first showed up, like never let him do a promo. He sucks. But, uh, but no, I've, I've changed my mind because uh, the, his, his closeout to that promo, he said something like, um, you might be the man who's not afraid to die, but I'm the man who's not afraid to kill you. Something yeah, like that. That's a good line. Yeah, I was like, damn. <laughs> was, yeah, that's a, that's a good line right there. Yeah, like he he got me pumped up. So uh, so yeah, it's uh, I I think Miro is really kind of starting to realize his potential, and 
you know, uh, it's it's going to give Darby probably the opportunity to work his way toward the 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 big belt, uh, possibly. Yeah, no, I think that's a good setup. It's uh, it's coming in there, you know, uh, you know, all signs are pointing to that way. Um, Kevin Davis, what's up? How are you doing? Yeah, uh, thanks for joining us, man. Um, let's see. So we talked about uh, you know fans complaining too much on social media. You know, that's just kind of the nature of the the platform specifically Twitter more so than anything else. Um, here, let's take this question real quick though. Uh, from uh, Grisbone. Do you guys think Darby should be the one to go over Omega? Cause personally, I think Paige should be the one. Now that's really interesting. I think, I think that they're leading that. Yes. So I'm kind of with Grisbone on this. I think like Darby should, get up there in the mix of things that felt like what they were doing when they separated omega and page didn't it where it just felt like one of them's going to go in one direction the other's going to go in the other direction with the idea being that they're going to kind of fan out only to come back and intersect again um so that that kind of felt like it's what they were doing from the start where they broke this team up um, to my knowledge, they've never had a singles match against one another in aew so it's like it's kind of like the logical thing or wait did they have one who Darby and Omega? No, no, Paige and Omega. Oh yeah, Mark. See, I, I I don't I don't remember, but in any yeah, case, the Eliminator match and then uh, did oh, that's right. right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. But in any case, that's that is kind of what it felt like AEW was trying to do. Maybe we just aren't there yet. But I, I mean, I think he makes a great point. Uh, as as far as like who looks like they should be, be the AEW champion? Does it, would you say that Darby looks more like he should be the champion flag bearer of the company or does page, I would say page page. I mean like from, yeah, the physical and uh, you know, looks perspective. Sure. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that's too big of a factor in this case because Darby's over Darby's over and Darby has like, created quite the catalog for himself of matches with this TNT title run. So, I mean, it, he, he's, I, I think it's like one A one was it A one how's that go one one A one B one B like yeah whatever it is I think it's more so to that regard but yes so but to Chris Bone's point I think you know they teased Paige being in the number one rank just like last week and then like the ranking switched up because he lost to Cage um, I think the story will go to that or maybe you know what happens is Darby ultimately unseats Kenny and then. Page goes after Kenny, takes out Kenny, and then we see maybe a Page and uh, Darby mix up too at some point. I, there's there's some options there. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be against either one, you know, doing that. I, uh, but very much, Marcus. I think, you know, and I think you might be in the same boat with me here. Is like I want to see Kenny hold the title for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, I agree. If Kenny Omega held held the belt for two years, I wouldn't have an issue with it. I think that we need to go a little bit old school because it's different, right? Um, in in WWE, the uh, all of the championship belts, including their most prestigious, the the World Heavyweight Championship, they're props. That's it. Uh, that's they don't serve any purpose other than to drive a story. When you've got somebody who holds a belt for such a long period of time, it makes it mean more. Um, so it, a two-year reign in pro wrestling now is just absolutely unheard of. I think I think we need to get back to that space. Hey, guess who's doing it? Uh, MLW. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Alexander Hammerstone's the first and only national openweight champion. 
See, so I and you want to talk about a money guy too, Hammerstone. He's he's got it all. I would love to see a crossover between MLW and AEW. Yeah, well, pretty cool, Marcus. I, I mean, we're going off topic here, but did you see what they did this week on MLW? Uh huh. No. Oh my gosh, Marcus! They brought Dario Cueto back. Are you familiar with him? Nope. You aren't. Lucha Underground. He was the he was El Jefe. He was the big he was the big oh. cheese in Lucha Underground. I okay. love violence and all that shit, man. Yeah. They brought him into the MLW mix and he's replacing Selena Vega, who not Selena Vega. Sorry, Selena De La Renta in MLW. Selena De, De La Renta, another top free agent coming into pro wrestling right now. So uh Wow. All right. Yeah. Lots to think about there. Anyways, uh yes, I am for uh something happening you know whether it's page or darby in the the world title picture but ultimately where i really want to lean on is uh kenny hold going on a very long run with this title i agree uh james thanks for putting us over on uh with our twitters you can follow me at marcus p d'angelo follow dominic at dominic d'angelo follow wrestlezone at wrestlezone.com and you can follow this podcast at two the number two dynamite dudes on twitter um and we'll at at the end of the show we'll talk about other our other podcasts as well uh what's what's next dominic so marcus we were talking about fans and uh social media you know twitter specifically going willy-nilly and stuff like that marcus i sent you i don't know if you looked at it or not but i sent you the this deadspin article that got published and it's basically just it, it this guy epitomizes what all is bad about wrestling Twitter and conveys it into a quote unquote article. I don't even want to consider it that because <laughs> if you got to read it, it's just a fan bitching. That's what it sounds like. Is there any chance that this is a parody article? No, it's not. It's not. It's a serious. So it's something that they they put out as a feature editorial, and it, it Deadspin, you know, tries pretty hard at kind of being like barstool in a lot of ways. And uh, it's a very Barstool-esque. Barstool is, I think, even a little more clever than this because they don't take themselves seriously sometimes as Deadspin does. Mm. And uh, this was just, this is like an abomination, <laughs> I think, of, of a fucking wrestling article, if you want to call it that. It's like... Uh, uh, full disclosure, Dominic, you sent me the article. I, I had every intention of reading it, and I didn't. And you did. Uh, but well, that's fine. The title alone, you know, denigrating Cody Rhodes in any way, uh, I was like, I'm out on this. I don't, I don't, whatever this person is about to say to follow this up, it doesn't make any sense. Well, I took a few screenshots of it, but I'm going to pull it up here. I'm not even, you know what? I'm not going to even do the guy, the the nod of fucking uh, saying his name, but it is, (laughs) it's pretty trash. Okay, so hold on. Give me a second here. There it is. So let's see. He goes into saying, where do I want to start here? Okay. So he, first off, he puts Cody over starting first. But then basically, it is truly a remarkable accomplishment that in less than two years from going from running an indie show, basically to make Dave Meltzer look stupid to creating a company that has one section of WWE on the run. Uh, I don't think it's one section. I think it's all of WWE to a level. Like NXT is a section, but WWE's reactionary to AEW what's going on so but this is what he says all that said cody still needs to fuck off he's like i get it it's his company and i imagine one of the perks of having your own wrestling company is inserting yourself wherever and however much you please 
if Cody's problem with WWE was that they didn't utilize him enough or effectively, you certainly make it up for that oh, now. You're frozen. Am I? Can you hear me though? Uh oh, you're frozen, Marcus. What is going on? Hold on a second. I wonder who's online. If you guys can hear me, let me know. Uh, let's see. Marcus, can you enter and enter back in? I think Marcus is probably gone because I see the clock ticking and everything like that. So I will keep reading. Um, yeah, if you guys can. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you are. There you are. Okay. Okay, so sweet. Uh, Grisbone says he could hear me. So you you ended up freezing actually. <laughs> oh, okay. What happened? So, uh, but where did where did you get out? Uh, where did you last hear? Uh, basically, uh, he can in integrate himself whenever he pleases. Okay, so yeah, he can insert yourself. For a, if Cody's problem with WWE was that they didn't utilize him enough or effectively, you certainly make up for that now with no one to tell him no. So. Now he says, for, for months, Cody has been a waste of time, and he keeps wasting time. And the only reason he seems to be on that show is it's his show. And then he says he takes up the middle section of Dynamite. Uh, and then he also goes on to say, you know, he's bringing up a reality show and, and mentioning his baby and stuff like that. And nobody gives a shit about that. And then he's saying, this is what I think is super ridiculous, is he's saying that he's trying to be like The Miz. Yeah. <laughs> now nobody, listen nobody's listen. ever tried to be like the Miz <laughs> uh and even the Miz has tried to not be like the Miz <laughs> um and listen I do not have a problem with Miz as a uh, wrestling persona or even like just as like I think he's good for WWE as like an ambassador all that kind of thing you know he's very much what WWE likes is that kind of thing so I mean I, I appreciate the Miz for how he can kind of get himself over as a heel. And he, I think he's good. I think he's good. But let's, I mean, come on. Cody is not trying to be like the Miz whatsoever. Uh, I, he's, Cody is trying more so to be like the old school, you know, you know, from that classic, get your stars over, tell a story in the ring, you know, uh, adhere back to history in, in regards to that than anything else. Like suit Luthez more so like, you know, wear a suit, you know, look sharp. That's what you want to see in a top star. And it's his, it, he, he's a star. He's like, Marcus, we've said this before on here. If there's anybody that's kind of like the face of AEW, it's Cody. Yep. And there's what is wrong with that. You're, if you are the star, you are going to be over. You have to put yourself over. I think that's a lot of the exception that what people kind of initially took with the young bucks was that they, they were stars, but they weren't putting themselves over mm -hmm. as stars. Cody did that from the, from the get go. Cody's continuing to do that in regards to putting him like himself with Shaq, which this guy also takes exception with. And then like just other shit. So it's just like, this is an article to get a reaction. He's getting the reaction. I'm not going to give his name or even link to the article, but if you want try to read it it's it, it's it's out there it's a mockery um, it's a mockery of what you know what other you know right wrestling writers are trying to do at this moment in time uh i mean but, I, don't, I don't think cody's doing enough i want to see more of him uh he's you can make an argument certainly top five in the world even probably closer to top three uh male wrestlers on the face of the planet um the, the guy is unbelievably good 
um, unbelievably skilled, has an unbelievable presence. Um, and I mean, Great just, promo, one of the best at promos. Yes. Yes. I mean, just take a look at him versus basically anything else you'll see on WWE. Now, obviously there's a few exceptions over there, but by and large, Cody Rhodes outshines, you know, if, if I was going to start a wrestling promotion and, and they said, take your pick of anybody on in the world, um, I, Cody might be my first pick. Marcus, we, Hey, we did, we did half of an AEW draft and the first overall pick was Cody. Right, but I'm like I'm saying, like any promotion, WWE, AEW, whoever, I might still just go with Cody uh, because I really think that he has everything that you want in a star, somebody to build up something, uh, build a build a promotion around. All right, let's look. Like this is what I'm. If you're looking, like yeah, to build a star around, look at what Cody offers you: looks, presence, promo ability nod to history it's all that ring skills ring skills too yeah it's like he offered he's for you know to reference uh somebody that's we're familiar with on wcw rewritten he's the total package i would say he has everything he has everything that you could possibly want uh in a pro wrestler now like if john cena is still an active wrestler you know you probably want to pull the trigger on him if you (laughs) if you could start with one person but you know it's cody's right there man unbelievably skilled um so yeah it's, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about i think that most people will probably read that article and see right through it but uh i'm glad that we're bringing it up here and here and now because you know i, I think it's it's important for people to hear um dom i mean i want to see cody as the as the aw champion don't you oh uh, absolutely and like the fact that they took that away from us so quickly too added some intrigue because you're like damn it i uh, we aren't gonna see cody as world champ but i think there's a story to tell and how he gets to that eventually in some form or fashion. Now, fans will always bitch and find a way to, to like criticize. I mean, that's what social the Twitter's all about, is that stuff. James makes a great line here. He's like, I honestly, tw- I avoid the internet wrestling uh, community slash wrestling Twitter because if, if I wanted to be bitchy, be bitchy comments, I'd go visit my in-laws. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah i mean it's come on like i mean people are gonna bitch any way you shake it if it's gonna be a good match if there's gonna you know there's a story thing that happens people will find something bitch about especially wrestling twitter so right you know I, and, this is this is something that i say once a week it feels like but you know the introducing new talent i think is going to be one of the most important aspects to AEW success uh specifically because I think Cody needs more people to work with. Um, So like how great would it be to see him and Daniel Bryan? How great would it be to see this version of Cody Rhodes and CM Punk, Samoa Joe? Um, The list goes on and on. At some point, I would love to see Cody and John Moxley mix it up. Yeah. So it's uh, mostly dumb. I it's for me right now. AEW is about seeing, okay, who are they going to pair Kenny Omega with? Who are they going to pair Cody with? Who are they going to pair FTR with? Who are they going to pair Thunder Rosa with? Um, so Darren is the point too, Marcus is like, uh, and this is the last I pretty much have to say about the article is like that Cody is one of those names. If he's part of your, if you have a toolbox and he's one of your major tools, why aren't you going to use him? No, no matter, you know, what his status is in the company, how much sway he has behind the scenes. Uh, it, that doesn't matter. What matters is, does he get ratings? Does he get over the product over? And does it elevate your brand? Steven so, saying Cody versus Christian Cage. Come on now, well, Marcus. You're all come Christian on. Now. I gotta ask you this straight out. This is not wasn't planned. What 
Where do you rank Christian on your AEW uh, list right now? As far as like hierarchy of AEW? Yeah, just from like, yeah, uh, a fan perspective of like what you. Uh, certainly top five. I would say maybe four. Four. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I, I think Christian Cage, man, I'm just blown away by him. Um, we didn't see him at all this week, but that's fine. No, no. We saw him. Uh, Taz was kind of trashing him talking about his match yeah uh that he had before and like his is like basically criticizing his technique um which I, I think is great stuff by the way i love seeing and hearing that stuff from Taz. Was like passive aggressive where he's like right you know, oh yeah look, look at these moves like he's doing his whole taz uh what do they call it i the taz i can't remember what the name of they have for this i don't know I, I know what you're talking about though but yeah, yeah it's like he's done that plenty of times before where it's almost like this uh, sports science thing and uh he's like lightly taking jabs at Christian throughout the whole thing. And then ultimately like burying, trying to bury him. <laughs> but, but you know, it's, you'd have to be blind not to see it even in just those clips. Like, man, this dude has got it. He, he really, really gets it. Still really polished, really skilled for his age. Um, I, this is my favorite version of Christian. I've seen most of them. I haven't really seen the TNA version of Christian, um, but I, I've seen most of his other work. And I, I, I was like, he's good. I don't know. But now it's like, okay, I truly get it. And this is my favorite version of him so far. Marcus, so we're talking about building new stars and things like that. Somebody we got a little sample of and uh, appropriate for this week, too, if you consider Dark Side of the Ring, is, hey, uh, in that fatal four-way tag, we got a little showcase of Brian Pillman Jr. I'm really glad you brought that up, Tom. And, yeah, I mean, Brian Pillman Jr., He's you want to talk about having it, It's he, he showed it. Showed it big time. I can't remember who he was in the ring with. But Jungle Boy. That's it. That's it. Those two really complimented each other. Um, mm -hmm. looked, looked great in the ring against one another worked really well. I mean, dude, I see, I see serious potential in a singles run, uh, for flying Brian jr. In the future. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah. Like, and especially with jungle boy, could you imagine a good feud like that going, you get a hot headed Brian Pillman jr. Going up against a, you know, a super over jet jungle Jack Perry. Oh man. Hey, I'm come on now. A, uh, AEW cruiserweight championship tournament. There you go. Set it up. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was cool too. Not only did he have his dad's tights and trunks, like a nod to his attire, but heck, I thought it was kind of cool that he took the pinfall. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. You know, it shows that the kid is willing to, to work. It's, he understands the business. Um, and, uh, he, he does what's right. Does what's asked of him. Good soldier. So it's, uh, unlimited potential. Sky's the limit for uh, Flying Brian Jr. And cool to see him kind of featured in that match the day before we do Dark Side of the Ring with his father. Yeah. Have you watched that yet? I, I still it's, it's, it's on, on my time to watch. It's so. on my DVR, so I'll probably yep. watch it sometime this weekend. I hear it's very good. Um. Okay. What? So, Marcus, what we got to, uh, we've mentioned this in the t Fatal 4-Way Tag is so next week the two big matches were named one of them being young bucks are putting the AEW tag titles online against the winner of this match who ended up being scu daniels and kazarian is this going to be scu later next week for daniels and kaz and yeah i think it's going to be the end of scu if i was to guess um I would imagine that kaz is going to either join forces with with uh the bucks and like turn on turn on Daniels um, or it's just going to oh. be, or they're just going to take a straight up loss. Um, I would say it's going to be one or the other. What are your thoughts? So that's tough. Okay. This is my prediction. I'm saying 
they lose straight up. And then uh, Kaz has been teasing like this heelish persona, especially when he was mixing up with Christian and stuff like that. After the match, he's going to take out his frustrations on Daniels. Uh, Daniels will go away for a while. And then maybe way down the road, we'll see him wrestle Kaz or somebody, you know. But um, what I think is going to happen is Kaz is going to go join Team Taz. And Brian Cage, the other Cage, eventually will leave Team Taz. And there you go. You got a new member of Team Taz in Kaz <laughs> without Cage. Yeah. So, and a very confusing. We were just talking about Chris, Christian Cage. You're saying Brian Cage, Taz, Kaz. Taz. What's going on? <laughs> oh, just spin a lot right there. Spin a lot. But that's my prediction. So that's what I think is going to happen. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think this will just help get the Young Bucks over further as heels. Them uh, taking out uh, Kaz and Daniels. And then, um, yeah, I think it'll be pretty good stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I, liked the, I liked the Fatal 4-Way tag match. I don't think it was like too, too crazy and too much of a schmoz. And, you know, um, it, I think this match next week is going to be very, very good. Okay, here you go. Grizzy Bone thinking outside the box. How about Mox and Kingston making it a DQ win for the Bucks, making it a triple threat at double or nothing for the, the titles. Then SCU just lose in part ways in a nice way. Oh, um, there he's got something there, Dom. I like that idea. Because uh, it because it furthers another storyline. You know, we it seems like we've transitioned Mox and Kingston out of this Kenny Omega situation. They need something to do, and this could be it. I'm picturing them for, uh, with the Good Brothers, um, but this is another way to go. Boy, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a real good way to look at it because, yeah, uh, yeah, they, they could play into that. I could also see that the same thing happening, like maybe a meeting of the both here with we meld ours together is like. You know, uh, what happens, maybe what I predict happens, but also then we get Bucks and uh, Mox against against Mox and Kingston at double or nothing straight up. Yeah. DQ match, which would be very intriguing as well. You know, Mark, I would really like, you know, um, this goes across on both Impact and uh, AEW is Good Brothers don't get enough time to speak. I, I really feel like we need to get more of that. And you know yeah, what? I mean, they're two of the most legitimately entertaining people uh, in pro wrestling today. Uh, and, you know, this this whole what's their event that they put on? Uh, Talk and Shop Mania. Talk and Shop Mania. Like, obviously, it's helped to skyrocket their uh, their potential as far as like singles workers and talkers and entertainers. Um, so it's yeah, you know, I, I agree. I think that they need the mic in their hands a little more often. And you know what's so strange about this too? Let's get. I want to get your perspective on this. Is Bubba Bully Ray uh, tweeted out? Did you see this Bully Ray specific tweet? No. So he took. He took. He's like, if I were Impact Wrestling, he's like, I'd be extremely upset that Nakazawa has their world title over his shoulder, and uh, it's all about uh, presentation. He said, or something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing. But he like kind of laid in to AEW and like Impact for like allowing that to happen, where it's that titles on Nakazawa's shoulders. You take exception to that? How you feel about that? Anything no, isn't, isn't that isn't that what we call getting heat? Right? Uh, it's uh, basically Kenny Omega is like putting this prestigious belt on the shoulder of somebody who has no business touching it. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's like supposed to get heat where it's like, hey, Kenny Omega, he's such an asshole that this belt doesn't even mean that much to him. You know, he just wants it because it's it's the title. Yeah, it means he's the best. 
you know, so it's, I, I think it's a little bit of a reach, uh, in my opinion, you know, like if Jimmy Hart held the WCW title, would everybody be up in arms about that? Probably not. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? I didn't even think about it. Anything to that, like, oh, how damaging it is to the title that Matt Nagazawa was holding it, like, didn't even occur to me when I saw him. I mean, until Bully mentioned something to that effect. So, no, I don't know. It's, I don't, I didn't see it as a big deal either, honestly. But I, that, that's like, that's been like an age old thing in pro wrestling, isn't it? Where like this undeserving guy is like challenging Hulk Hogan, let's say, like this dude is just challenging him, and the ref is doing that thing where he holds up the belt, and this guy snags the belt from him and holds it and like puts it around his waist. You know, saying like, I'm going to win this belt. This is my belt. And then all the fans boo and Hulk Hogan gets mad. You know, it's this is like an age old wrestling thing, isn't it? Where this undeserving human being grabs the belt. And I mean, let's be honest here. Like, like Nakazawa is basically like an extension of Omega, but it's like his coat rack. Right. You know, and we, we all as fans, we all want to touch the belt. So, I'm, you know, theoretically, it should be like hey, that idiot gets to touch the belt. Yeah, what I took more exception with when it came to Nakazawa is he was wrestled in khakis and a fucking Best Buy t-shirt. Like, Yeah, yes. Uh, what I disliked about Nakazawa was that he was on my television. <laughs> <laughs> that was my biggest sticking point with him. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. Um, I, dude, I really like that sock hop line. I really popped for that. Kenny, he's he's hit his stride. He's this is the best version of Kenny Omega I think that I've seen. I, I didn't get to see much of his stuff as the cleaner, um, and I hear that that was awesome. But I don't know, man. This this version's pretty. pretty I'm really sweet. enjoying it. He had a great line too on Impact this past week, where he was like, uh, "What did he say? Oh, he was glad, he was going to stand at ringside for Doc Gallows' match, and he was like, you know, co- he was talking about coaching or something like that. And he's like, he's like, listen, I got this. I coached." High school girls basketball. <laughs> so I mean, he's hilarious. He's hitting his stride. That his like, he's this raging cokehead crazy guy, and it's dude, it's amazing. And Don Cal, I Don Callis with them is great too. It's just, it's a really great aspect of pro wrestling right now. Something different. So I, I don't yeah. remember ever seeing a character like what Kenny Omega's been doing. No, it's good shit, man. It's real good shit. All right, next week, Marcus. Another big match. I'm very excited for it. I think the promo and the video package that they set up for it all was awesome. Yuji Nagata versus John Moxley. Man, yeah, great video package. I thought that John Moxley taking exception to like something that Nagata had said about him in the past to, to actually make give us a some stakes here in the storyline. I thought that was great. You know, Yuji Nagata, he still looks great for his age, um, and you know it's. This is this is one of those matches where it's like it kind of kind of takes you back, Dom. You know, Yuji Nagata didn't really register with you and I as young wrestling fans when he was in uh, WCW, but like when you go back and see what he was doing and what he was capable of, it's like, man, this dude was good. Like he was tight. He's a great seller. Uh, sells unbelievably well. As a matter of fact, I just heard somebody on a podcast put Kurt Angle put over Yuji Nagata. Really? Okay. And, yeah, saying that he wrestled him in Japan and he was like unbelievable seller. Nice. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm really anxious to see this match. What do you think happens? Do you think the titles change hands? Do you think not Moxley retains? What, what do you got going? Mox has had it for a while. Um, so I'm, I'm who'd not sure. Who'd who you beat for Marcus? Okada. Oh, 
No, maybe I might be wrong because if he's like a two-time champ, but uh, he took it away from Lance Archer. Originally. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Lance Archer well, was the original U.S. champ for IWGP. Well, it's uh, hard to say because I don't know what's going on over there, uh, what their storylines are like. Um, and I know that he's had it for a while, but that being said, I uh, hard for me to picture uh, Moxley losing on AEW TV to uh, a guy who doesn't work for the promotion. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I'm just excited for the match itself. Mox had some good lines in there, too. Um, oh, what what did he say? He's like, I lose all respect for anybody once that bell rings. I thought that was a great line. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially because it's like the, you got Yuji Nagata, who's an OG and, uh, you know, like certainly well respected in, in wrestling circles. And uh, due to, again, Omega, just not Omega, but uh, Moxley just nails it on another promo. Mm hmm. 100% man. It's like him, Cody, um Kenny, um Roman Reigns right now. Uh I think that's pretty much it. Well, I think are in the top upper echelon of, of promos right now. Well, I, I think I think FTR is really nailing all their promos too by the way. Um yeah, they do good. Oh, MJF too. Yeah, and hey, if you guys haven't seen Yuji Nagata in action, just type in WCW Yuji Nagata. You get to see a younger version of him where this guy was just an absolute savage in the ring. He's doing some different – he's doing some hard-hitting shit too right now, I think, in Japan as well. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's pretty neat to see uh, things kind of come full circle from a WCW TNT uh, Tony Schiavone perspective. Yeah, and Tony himself said, yeah, I used to call his matches on WCW years ago. So just really cool, um, exciting what an exciting time to be a wrestling fan, isn't it, Dominic? Where we actually have the prospect now of saying, like, hey, one of WWE's top guys might maybe show up at some point. Yeah, uh, the, there's that intrigue of unknown right now. Like, who, who's going where? The wrestling landscape overall is open for business. Like, it is. you know, so many fans, too, like, they're talking about, like, hey, how great would it be to see Daniel Bryan go to ROH and things like that and mix it up there? Uh, Samoa Joe is the same talking about. Uh, there's just a lot of names out there that need some homes. And, I saw where uh, CM Punk recently made the remark that he's like, hey, you know, if, if I get a good enough offer, I'm interested. Yeah. So it's like, it's open. It's open, man. It's, it's, I think it's a very cool thing. I think, um, listen, I get some uh, criticism overall when it comes to wrestling in a lot of ways. Like, I, I'm not the hugest fan of, like, uh, everybody airing out their grievances on social media. If you like, I kind of like the aspect of like, you know, especially if you're a star or, or, you know, aiming to be a star, aspiring to be a star. I like you keeping your cards close to the vest, so to speak, when it comes to like social media and certain things like that. And I also like the aspects of like, Hey, getting characters over more so than what's happening in the ring, because, you know, I think that's so invaluable. And uh, it's something that I I don't want to maybe not the priority for a lot of talents in a lot of ways. So I like, I get that, but ultimately like we're still getting some, some good stuff in pro wrestling where it's just like, there's stuff that I, you know, I, I was more, and maybe this is more of just being in college and living the college lifestyle, but I was more out of wrestling in the like early two thousands and mid two thousands. than I was before up until this point, you know? So I think, you know, they, there's some intriguing stuff happening. And there's a lot of possibilities happening with some intriguing characters. Um, uh, James says uh, something that's pretty obvious, but I can't agree. I have to agree with it. It's Samoa Joe uh, versus CM Punk one more time. It would be great to see. Oh, Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Who would say no to that? Dude, the story behind that or man, Marcus, this is like, this is the big thing. This is like what you could really do to really shake up everything from across the board. You get Joe punk and Brian all in a faction. Yeah. I'll take over a now Dominic, what you just said, is uh, like could be a tipping point situation, like NWO esque situation, where like it, when Hall and Nash and Hogan kind of took over WCW with the NWO and absolutely changed the wrestling landscape. That getting the three of those guys together, um, as basically coming in to say like, hey, we're we're sick of your version of wrestling. Our version was better. Something like that, uh, dude. It's that is how you take over the wrestling world, and it, you could put that on Monday night up against Raw. It'll blow it out. Heck yes. I mean, my, that's not saying a lot right now because Raw's just dog shit awful. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yes, uh, yeah, uh, Marcus, it's very much so. It's it, how great, like the fact that that's like you know is a possibility it just like a tangible possibility it'd be nuts it'd be nuts, nuts. you know it's it's su- such a cool thing to think about now it, um, it would blow the doors off of pro wrestling uh mm-hmm. and i i i can picture it honestly like reviving that like wrestling boom that we had in the 90s where it was like this must watch tv for through basically from 96 to 99 or 2000 uh it, we could see that again if if an angle like that came about 100%. Okay. Well, I, we fancy book on our other show, WCW Rewritten. You specifically do that. But let's do a little bit here. How would you, okay, say that's what's going to, that's what would happen. Okay. Is those three show up. How would you do it? Would you do it in the form of the way the NWO invaded, where like CM Punk, say it plays a Scott Hall role and interrupts, and then you slowly drip the other two in, into the mix? Or would you do it more from a radicals perspective where they all showed up at once and then like kind of packed a punch in that regard? I think that basically doing anything where it's like one person at a time, like the NWO did, and no matter what, it's going to be looked at as derivative of NWO. Mm-hmm. Whereas like it, what I would do if it were me is I would have like, let's say John Moxley go over Kenny Omega for the championship, this major major moment and like he's celebrating in the ring like this it's this huge huge victory after a long drought where like kenny omega's been this evil guy who's been holding the belt and then at end of the match you know he's doing a celebration and gets jumped by three guys and it's it's these three um i i if it were me it would be something like that that would be the place to start would you that's kind of positioning them as heels though like sure. Why, why? Why should they not be heels? They're taking. I mean, over. you got the pinnacle. You have the young bucks and the elite. The company. The company on paper. The company is the babyface, right? Just like WCW was babyface. We, we love the company. We love AEW. It's a babyface. So these guys coming in, I think naturally should. They yeah, should but I think that's a tired kind of trope too, where it's like. You're going to go, okay, it's the company. I think more so people are for the stars where it's like maybe don't make the company as big of the factor where it's like they're there. They're, the company kind of embraces them, but it's not like from a like corporate pat on the head like WWE does, you know, where it's more so like, hey, this is wrestling. They're wrestlers. They're going to come and kick some ass. And it's more so into the fact that um, 
yeah, you have them take out the guys that are kind of like pushing back and like, so like a perfect team to come up against or like invade or go after would be like the young bucks or something to that effect. Where heck, heck, what about, what about then uh, getting some, uh, some guys who still wrestle the way that they love wrestling? Like maybe they could say like, Hey, Christian cage, why don't you come with us? Um, even Chris Jericho, Hey, why don't you come with a bit to CM Punk was, you know, they had their best in the world feud, which one's the real best in the world. It's like, Hey, how about the two best in the world work together? Grizzy bone saying, I don't think a faction of punk, Brian and Joe would get booed by anyone that is tall. Jack alone would generate infinite cheers. Yeah. I mean, he's right. Uh, it would be really hard to book them as heels. Um, but same thing with NWO back in the day, right? Where it was like, you couldn't dislike Hall and Nash. They were getting cheered right out of the gate. You know, obviously there was that like fans throwing trash in the ring situation, um, which we'll never see again because all these fans are smart. Um, but are they? <laughs> well, most of the fans are smart, smart to the business. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I, I think that positioning them as heels is, is the the right answer, even though they would get cheered. I, I just disagree because it's just like, you know, Marcus, if you want to lean into something that's tired and, and and worn out is the fact of cool heels. Well, then how about not waging war on AEW? They'd be waging war on the roster of AEW. Saying saying we want to rebuild this roster. You're basically. In, in the basically, image that we like. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not for that. I don't think I'm with Grisbone here. It's like you're, they're coming at in as baby faces. There's no way they're going to get a negative reaction. Why not embrace the fact that they're not going to get a negative reaction and put them over as babyface? Because why couldn't they? Well, uh, what I'm saying is, why couldn't they be babyfaces who are waging war on the roster of AEW? Okay. Well, yeah, that's that's fine. But yeah, like kind of that's, I think that's what I said, wasn't it? I mean, in a nutshell, I'm getting a little punchy. (laughs) Well, let's let's finish up here then soon. I did want to mention like this, uh, this necessarily doesn't have, something to do with dynamite specifically, but I did write an article this past week, uh, reviewing mission pro wrestling and thunder Rosa's promotion. And we had thunder Rosa, uh, promoting the show, uh, two episodes ago. So if you haven't gotten a chance to check out that interview, you do so because there's a lot she talks about, not just mission pro wrestling, but you know, a W two, but it all kind of ties in because I watched locked and loaded that you can watch on title network and heck, if you, I'll plug this here too. If you go on Title Network right now, it, this is I'm not getting paid. I I'm not paid or nothing like this. But you go on Title Network right now, you can get a two week free trial and you can check out this show. And this is my point. This show was so well booked and so well paced. It was classic in regards to like it's it makes a blueprint not only for an all women's brand that like Mick Foley has pitched to WWE and said like, you better do it before AEW does it. But uh, it also is a blueprint for what mainstream wrestling should do as a weekly show, because you had these characters and you had each match was different from one another. And it presented different styles and a different story and different pacing. And Marcus, I told you this in a phone call was like, we only had one dive in that whole show and it happened the fourth match in and it happened in a street fight and it was only one. And that was it. The rest of the show had no dives whatsoever. And it was all like, story. Yeah. And I don't even think, I don't even think the dive was that. 
Well, maybe maybe it was. But, it, dude, it meant so much when it happened because that was the only one you saw the whole night. Yes, so, uh, and that's that's the formula, right? That's that's what you and I have been saying where it's like, okay, stop, stop with the diet. We see it every single match. There's one moment every match. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Thunder Rosa is uh, old school as, as it gets, right? You know, in our conversation with her, um, she certainly outlines her uh, wrestling perspective in that in that way, and uh, her work reflects it. Um, so any promotion that she would have, certainly going to reflect it. Marcus, I was so engaged in this show, and not from just the pacing and booking perspective, but, like, the personas that were presented were awesome. Like, it was classic. A lot of them were classic, and a lot of them were, like, somewhat over the top, but in a good way where it was like, you know, you knew who they are. You could describe the majority, if not all of these wrestlers in one or two sentences. And yeah, well, we need more over the top. Uh, yeah. I think, I think wrestling needs a little bit more of that. I'm tired of just seeing dudes. Like there's like, uh, you and I talked about them last week. What's the, the guy, big shoddy Lee, where it's just like, okay, what it, he's just a dude. Like it, that's, that's his gimmick. He's just like a guy who's friends with, with Cody or whatever. I don't know. Uh, so a guy like him, he would, as we said last week, strongly, strongly benefit from a really overt, strong, crazy uh, gimmick, even campy gimmick. Um, and so uh, I think wrestling and campy, they kind of go hand in hand. Marcus, you know? the perfect one, <laughs> the perfect one that you were just talking about here is one wrestler that I've never seen before. Mission pro here. Uh, one of the best names in wrestling right now is Masha Slamovich. She had this, she was like just a, like a, a nasty, nasty heel. Um, she didn't talk. We didn't hear her talk, but you saw what she did in the ring and she was flipping everybody off. She was like, but she was like a world beater too. And like <laughs> from Russia, Masha Slamovich, it's fucking great. Like, it's like you get talents and stars like that. You can get them over and people will remember them and people will tune back into them because they stand out and they are unique. Uh, Marcus, I could not say enough about this show. It was really, really good. It made me rethink a whole lot of stuff in regards to like how, what we see from WWE and, uh, what we have, uh, suggested or criticized about AEW too, in a lot of ways is how they can tighten this up. And yep. this has the blueprint for not only women's wrestling, but all mainstream wrestling in general. It was really well done show again, title Net match network. You can check it out. Two week free trial. That's I signed up for it. I watched it. It was great, and I'm up. I'm very hooked to Mission Pro Wrestling. Well, now you've got me me thinking about it. So I think I'm going to be checking that out. I mean, anything Thunder Rosa touches turns to gold. So dude, yeah, I'm, right. I'm Dave Greco was great in it. It was so good. It was so fun. Plus, we had a cameo from Mark Henry. It was awesome. So uh, Dom, let's let's get to the wrap up portion of the show here. Uh, do you want to do my Melter rating? Let's do this right? real quick. As James wrote this. I would have Daniel Bryan come to AEW with huge fanfare and have him get a moving speech and have Samoa Joe, Moxley, and CM Punk come down the aisle vowing to bring back good professional wrestling to television. That would be pretty cool, too. Sure, absolutely. And a good way to, to make them baby faces, too, if that's the route that we want to take. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, honestly, you, I think it would be borderline impossible to book this angle poorly, right? If you're bringing these guys in as a group, it would be really, really hard to uh, to book them poorly. I mean, if you're un, unless you're trying to. You know, which it feels like WWE does some of the time. Oh you my know? God, they do it to their own uh, their own detriment, right? Times, yeah. Right. So it's I, I think that Tony Khan with the, those tools in his hands, I think he he'd do some masterful work. Yep. All right, Marcus. Uh, let's do MVPs. Who's your MVP this week? 
Uh-oh, Marcus, you're muted. I can't hear you. Exit back out next There we go. There we go. I'm I'm back. Okay. Okay. Who's your MVP? <laughs> scary, scary moment there, Dom. Um, it's gotta be MJF. There's there's really no other option. You know, that that uh that indelible image of him on top of the cage with the blood on his face. It's like, man, that's that's gonna be one of those things that lasts in wrestling forever. Um, I thought the match, again, maybe didn't end the way that you and I wanted it to, but it was still a good match um, and provided us with some some really must-see wrestling moments. Uh, Marcus, I'm going to tip a cap to somebody you appreciate, and that kind of made a good point on, on Twitter, going Dax Harwood. He started right. off the match and uh, finished it, and uh, there was a lot of blood there. There's a lot of blood, so he he well represented uh, Pinnacle. So uh, just to and he was in the Arn Anderson role, right? Arn Anderson always started the War Games uh, matches out for the Horsemen, and so I, th- I think Dax. Uh, it was pretty natural for him as like basically an Arn Anderson clone to come in there and and do the same. Let me say too, somebody who really shined in this match, I think, was Wardlow, just tossing people around like that. That's fucking awesome. Yep, looked great. I thought Jake Hager looked great as well. Um, the dead president's gimmick with oh, Santana and Ortiz was baller. Dude, Marcus, I said this on Twitter. It was like, it's like, it's the new demon. It's like, right. they bring that out. You know, there's some shit going down. Big matches. They bust that out. Yeah. Oh, Grizzbone says Sammy Guevara was my MVP. The guy should shine most there. No, oh, you can't argue that either. He did. I mean, really he's, he's awesome. Uh, you know, there's no, no other way to look at Sammy Guevara. He's like, I, I like him as a heel a little bit better just because he's got this, like, cocky, pretty boy vibe to him. Um, and, uh, like, it, he's, like, very easily hateable because of that. But, uh, but no, I, I thought he was great. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Okay. Marcus, what is your Marcus Smeltzer rating? Dude, it was a good program this week. Really, really good program. Uh, believe it or not, Dominic, because of everything. I thought I thought the whole program was pretty tight with a couple exceptions. Um, I'm going to be going with a 9.2 this week. Whoa. That is, I I believe the highest rating I've ever given. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, besides blood and guts, would you credit that for, uh, Miro's promo I thought was outstanding. Uh, again, Kenny Omega's promo outstanding. Um, uh, tag match, uh, with like a clusterfuck tag, which I'm, I'm usually against, but we got to see the right people featured, in the match, Britt Baker had a nice squash match. In yeah, it. we didn't even talk about that. Right. Um, so just it was it wasn't the best. It, like so, I gave it a nine point two. Um, I'm I'm gonna say it's not the best, like most outstanding, unbelievable. Like it didn't have one of those matches where I was just like blown away, like I was with the uh, the Britt Baker um, and Thunder Rosa match. But just basically, it was just a really tight program. They did everything pretty tight, perfect. Every all the cues were hit. You know what I mean? And it wasn't like overwhelming too i i feel like right exactly and i mean the blood and guts match like i said i've seen a, a lot of war games matches and i think that that's the best one i've seen how about that so yeah yeah i know i really enjoyed the show uh looking forward to next week too and heck you know people are like oh what's the ratings matter like why is rating such a big deal you know i think it just adds to like the excitement of it. it's like hey man they had a good product and it showed on television and so i'm excited to see how that goes next week too no question about it, man. Uh, AEW certainly trending upward. 
Um, I think that obviously there's always things that you can clean up, but man, we're, we're at a very interesting like precipice right now when it comes to AEW, where if you were to inject, uh, just if, if you were to inject something like CM Punk or, uh, or Daniel Bryan or Samoa Joe, or better yet, all three, all three. <laughs> um, it's, it, that is going to shove it right over that precipice and like, okay, now all of a sudden we're talking about big league stuff, like, it, like compete with any other opposition on the face of the planet. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's uh very exciting times. I'm pumped, dude. Uh, Marcus, what is trending upward too is how you are booking WCW rewritten. We yeah. just had Super Brawl 8, and damn, did you have some surprises and uh, just a well-booked card overall, almost akin to Mission Pro. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's uh, go and check out Super Brawl 8. Uh, it is a jam-packed card, but uh, I, I felt like everything went off pretty much without a hitch. And Dominic, let me say that uh, this this week um that you know which i i guess technically would be the night after super brawl 8 but we're doing it a week later um it, this things are really starting to pick up in in wcw where like we're starting to get um, we're getting into the real meat of what i want wcw to be um and was honestly some of the stuff that really inspired me to do this where i was like man i wish i would have seen that angle or man they should have done this um this week kind of starts us getting into that uh so i'm really excited about it yeah, dude, it's been fun. I you popped me twice in like the span of like two minutes was uh with what you did in the one match. So uh, yeah, we had a couple wild ones there, didn't we? Had a couple wild ones. So uh, definitely tune in, Marcus. How do they follow that, and how do they follow you on Twitter? You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus P D'Angelo, as James pointed out before. Thank you, James. And uh, you can follow WCW Rewritten at WCW Rewritten. Yeah, and go on Twitter too because uh, I'll be I right posted back. that very clip on there uh, of what I'm talking about. So that is on Twitter, on WrestleZone Twitter. Just go there, WrestleZone.com. Check out, you'll find it a lot easier on WCW Rewritten because we don't tweet as much on there, but it's on there. So take a look there. Uh, far as me goes, you can follow me on Twitter at Dominic D'Angelo. You can follow WrestleZone on Twitter at WrestleZone.com. And then, hey, I've got some interviews lined up. I have uh, an interview I did with Les Thatcher where we talk for an hour and a half, not just we talk a great deal about just the general landscape and outline of pro wrestling uh, today. But we also talk about uh, him, his involvement with so much stuff. The guy was a jack of all trades and the originator of a lot of stuff. He was the first person to ever create the wrestling T-shirt. Like the wrestling T-shirt, and it's the Briscoe Brothers. So I, I uh, lost you there for a sec, but I'm back. That's now. okay. Yeah, you were frozen, and you came back in. Uh, but uh, yes, I'm just putting over the interview I did with Les Thatcher that should uh, drop next week. And in addition to that, Meet the Wrestler Five coming back, returning, and it is with somebody that Miro mixed it up with this past week on AEW Dark Elevation. Will all day. I joked that uh, I should change Meet the Wrestler to Meet the Texas Wrestler because three out of the five wrestlers I've done have been from Texas. So uh, Will Alday is a really unique talent, uh, very down-to-earth, and very much like modern in the way he wrestles because he's very athletic and stuff like that, but very old-school in mindset and how he how he keeps to you know himself and uh, how he how he conveys himself. Uh, really interesting conversation. A lot of fun to talk to him there. Uh, so be sure to be on the lookout for that next week. Um, we have 
interviews. Check, like I said, interview our, our interview with Thunder Rosa that we did two weeks ago. Great interview. One of our favorite things that we've done, I think, on this part for both of us. And then um, now we also have Jeff Jarrett, Double J, whose podcast. Marcus, have you listened to the Double J podcast yet? I just listened to it today, and it was awesome. It's uh, How great is it, dude? I want to, like, fucking, like, I just want to high-five Jeff Jarrett, like, several times. <laughs> oh man yeah here you know just very genuine human being genuine like perspective on things uh and it's just it's cool to finally hear you know like because when when you hear these stories about double j and like you know him holding up vince it, you can't help but picture like double j that we see on tv holding up vince mcmahon right like this snarky arrogant like you know pretty boy blonde guy just like it, being a heel to Vince McMahon backstage, holding him up and saying, I ain't putting her over unless you pay me. Like uh, that's, that's what I'm picturing, but it's like, nothing could be further from the, from no, the, it was know. great. He put China over big time too. And he was happy to do it. He was um, happy to do it. Yeah. So it's, it, it's cool to hear a different narrative. Cause before it was just like, he didn't want to put over a woman. He wanted his payoff before he did. And he held up Vince and it's like, what an asshole. But now it's like, you actually hear his perspective and it's like, I, pr- I probably would have held up Vince if I was in his shoes, <laughs> you know? Well, Marcus, what was funny too, is you mentioned earlier what Conrad called him like the human fast forward button or whatever. Like yeah. what's funny is Conrad, like, he's like, I think I should apologize for that. And like, Jeff's like, no, you don't got to, po- why do you got to apologize? That kind of thing. He's, he's like, just I don't like, care. Yeah, because he's a wrestler and that yeah. it's his job. It's his job to get strong reactions out of people one way or the other. He recognizes that just the ultimate pro. And man, I mean, Conrad was running down some of their future episodes and some of the things that they have to talk about. And I'm like, I'm excited about it, literally everything you just said. Like, I can't <laughs> I cannot wait to hear more about Double J. As Double J would say, 100 <laughs> uh, percent. Hey, Don, before we before we parachute out of this, James has one last question. Yep. Greatest wrestler from Texas, Austin, HBK, The Undertaker, Booker T, or Dusty Rhodes? Who's yours? He's not on that list right there. Who's yours? Terry Funk. Ah, uh, the funk, the dirty funker. Mm-hmm. Hard to argue that one. one though. Hard to all. argue that one. I mean, it's, you know, I I feel like probably most people are going to take this route when it comes to this, but I got to go HBK. I mean, oh. Just, Un- unbelievably entertaining even Dude, i mean I, it, for me it's got it's like funk dusty austin and like you could switch either one of those and still be the winner you know as as i get older as uh, i mentioned the cat here dusty. as i get older i can really appreciate Shawn michaels ring work more and more and just like the more i watch him i'm like man this guy if if everybody else is working at speed five he's working at speed like eight like he's just head and shoulders above everybody um, and it's like, it is quite obvious whenever you watch him and try to actually analyze the match. It's like, man, this guy is better than everybody he's in the ring with, but with the exception, maybe being Bret Hart. And, uh, that's what made their feud so interesting. <laughs> Chris Bunn says JBL, of course. Well, why not? Of course. Well, he's probably the richest <laughs> <laughs> dude. Him. I appreciate JBL more and more. So too, as time goes on. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You, you know, you always heard the stories about him being this giant bully backstage and stuff. Um, and it's like it, when when you uh, kind of get to know him a little bit more through interviews and whatnot, it's just like it's it kind of makes sense. It's sort of perfect for him as a human being that he would bully people a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Listen, wrestling's all about characters. And I think uh, JBL is one of them that you got to appreciate. No question. Dom, let's, let's parachute out. We'll leave you folks until uh, until this Sunday when we're doing WCW rewritten live. Right, Dom? Oh, yeah. It's going to be live Sunday. You know, follow the, the what happens after Super Bowl 8. 
So yeah, follow us on Twitter so you can uh, figure out the exact time frame. I don't think Dominic and I have laid it out yet as to what time we're going to be recording on Sunday. But you know, we hope you guys can join us. And uh, you know, in the meantime, if you've never heard an episode of WCW rewritten, go catch up. All of our episodes are available on YouTube and elsewhere. I'm sure. SoundCloud uh, is there SoundCloud. a playlist on SoundCloud. So yeah, so go check them out. Catch up because uh, let me tell you, it's about to heat up. Oh boy! Oh boy! All right, guys. Hey, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate everybody giving comments and stuff. Grisbone, James, uh, Stephen Chambers, everybody that's even just tuning in and listening and not even giving us feedback. It's just fine. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, really, really appreciate you guys being here to join us. Please always feel free to to send us like messages, ask us questions, talk um, some shit on us. I'm, we're fine yeah. with that. Look, we'll we'll acknowledge all of it. If you're just looking for attention, we'll hook you up. I don't care. Oh yeah, I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mark, it's been a good time. You degenerate. Absolutely, always a good time. You slapdick bastard. And uh, <laughs> we'll I'll talk to you again on Sunday, Dom. All right, see you guys. Bye, guys.